I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome back, everybody. It is your Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. As always, it is Ian Mendes and Haley Salvian with you for the next hour or so. Coming up on this show, we're going to touch on some individual rivalries that kind of sprung up over the weekend around the NHL. We're talking Brady Kachuk against uh, Brendan Lemieux. Or Tammy Panarin against Brad Marchand. And an oldie but a goodie. How about a little Sidney Crosby against Alex Ovechkin? Arpin Basu, who is our Montreal Canadiens beat reporter, he's going to drop by after listening to the Jeff Molson press conference on Monday, give us his thoughts on some seismic changes for the Canadiens this past weekend. The Pittsburgh Penguins sale to the Boston Red Sox group has been finalized. We'll talk about that. Plus, we'll take some listener questions, wrap with some multiple choice madness, asking who's going to end up playing more games in the NHL down the road. Matt Murray or Evander Kane, a couple of high-priced players placed on waivers over the past week. But before we kick off this show, Haley, I want to remind our listeners here, uh, and depending on when you listen uh, to this podcast, if you're listening to us on Monday, the 29th of November, okay, I want to direct you to theathletic.com slash hockey show. You're going to have a few hours left, okay, till midnight tonight. It's our best deal of the year. You can subscribe to The Athletic for a dollar a month for the next 12 months. Again, if you're listening to us on Monday, you've downloaded this, and you're not a subscriber on the print side, get on it. Dollar a month for 12 months, athletic.com slash hockey show. And I need to know, based on that, did Haley Salvian do any online shopping? Black Friday, Cyber Monday, anything in between? You know what? I didn't. Um which I don't know why I just, I think it, I got overloaded with emails about it, that it just annoyed me that I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I don't need 65 emails from places I've shopped at once in my life telling me that I could get, you know, this bar of soap for 10%. It's, it wasn't soap. It was like clothing and shoes and whatever places that you get. I, I was just it's like, you know what? This annoys me. I don't really need anything right now. I, so I didn't shop. I stayed home. It's been busy with work, so I avoided the mall because I don't like being around lots of people. Just generally a cranky person. In general, I don't need the lines and the crowds at the mall. Uh, and online shopping, no. Like the one place I shop at, it's like I shop at the most. <laughs> it's like the funniest thing. <laughs> like they'll have 
big Black Friday, like up to 60% off select styles. But then the stuff that's the most popular to buy, it's like $5 off and there's no sizes. It's all sold out. So it's just like, what is the point in going to this place? It's a Ritzia. If there's any like, I don't know, millennial people (laughs) listening to this, they probably understand looking at the Aritzia sale and seeing like a t-shirt that's usually $28 that's now on sale for (laughs) $26.50 and they only have it in size like extra, extra, extra small. And you're like, ooh, got to capitalize on that deal. Nope. So nothing for me. Nothing for you. I was smart with my wallet. I like going to Marshalls and and, and fighting people, you know, for cheap T-shirts and that type of thing. And it's that's a year-round thing. You don't have to go to – you can go to Marshalls anytime and and, and battle people. Nordstrom Rack rocks for that. Nordstrom Rack? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a year-round. Find like a random pair of like designer shoes that are like $100 instead of thousands and there's like a fist fight for the right size. Luckily, I've – I'm not even going to say it. I was going to talk about my shoe size, but I don't want to get into that. Yeah, that's going to get weird here. Let's okay? not so bring let's, up that. Yeah, yeah let's not do let's that. Let, and let's do. Let's talk about something more uh, normal, which is biting. Okay? Oh. So Brendan Lemieux, and I'm watching the game because I'm a guy who covers the Ottawa Senators, and I'm uh, watching this game, Ottawa at LA, and – you could see Brady Kachuk right away get up from this scrum, and he was he, and and Brady. For anybody who knows Brady, he he's a very passionate, fiery guy. But the way that he got up from this altercation with Brendan Lemieux, it was different. You could tell he was sour, and he was sideways, and you could see him going to the referee, showing his hand. And sure enough, uh, Brady Kachuk comes out, and uh, in fact, why don't we play this audio? I feel like this audio is worth playing because it's very rare to hear an NHL player go after another fellow player in this particular uh, manner. This is uh, Ottawa Senators forward Brady Kachuk talking about Brendan Lemieux uh, after the game on Saturday in Los Angeles. I think it was the most gutless thing somebody could ever do. Um, Not even children bite. This guy is just, you can ask any one of his teammates, nobody wants to play with him. This guy is a bad guy, bad teammate, focus on himself all the time. Um, just the guy's a joke. He shouldn't fucking be in this league. It's it's this guy's gutless. It's, I know no other team wants him. He's gonna keep you know begging to be in the NHL, but no team's gonna want him. This guy's just an absolute joke and just a bad guy. And it's just it's it's gutless. But I, I can't really wrap my head around it. Children don't even do this. This, this guy's just a bad guy and not even a good player either. Code of conduct broken, obviously, big time. Um, how shocked were you when that happened? It's outrageous. It, it, it's like, I've, like kids don't even do that anymore. It's babies do that. And the fact that he decides it's, I don't even know what he's thinking. He's just a complete brickhead. He's got nothing up there. Bad, bad guy, bad player, but what a joke he is. So it's, it's a couple more years of, I don't even think it's a couple more years. He's, it's ticking for him. Nobody wants him. Haley, that's some gold audio. I, I know that the 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 words that he said were widely shared on social media. I think it's different when you hear it. When you hear it, it's even mm-hmm. better. That's some gold audio from Brady Kachuk on Brendan Lemieux. A couple of questions here. First of all, was he justified in in saying that and being so over the top angry uh, about what happened? Because again, you don't often hear this. I loved hearing it. Uh, 
as a media member, as a fan, you like hearing authentic, legitimate, honest quotes from players. That's absolutely what that was. Um, what did you think of Brady Kachuk coming out and and and, and spitting venom here? Yeah, well, I think when I um, when I first just like saw the clip of how angry he was in the moment, like I don't think I've ever seen Brady Kachuk like that before, right. like that um, intense, that like just really heated and pissed off about what happened. So, I, I mean, biting in ho- like there's so much stuff that shouldn't be in hockey, right? Like, and this is obviously something that's down the list in terms of some of the bigger picture stuff we talk about. So I don't want people to like take what I'm saying and think like, oh, she's you know, fighting for just this, but like, there, there's, why are we biting in hockey? It's not a thing that we should be doing. It's gross, especially within the context of COVID right now. Like he, he, it took in his, the fact that Brady's hand started bleeding, like he bit into Brady Kachuk's hand, like he broke skin on another person. Like, it's just, it's gross. Um, it shouldn't be happening. And I think Brady Kachuk absolutely is allowed to be angry. I do wonder like what else has happened between those two or what else has happened with Brendan Lemieux that hasn't been shared in the past that we don't know about for Brady to um, be so intensely angry about him as a bad person and as a nobody in the league likes some stuff like that. Like there's, there's little things, there's stuff that's come out about Brendan Lemieux in the past, but like obviously there's a lot more that we're dealing with here than just him biting Brady um, for Brady to, to react in such a a holistic way, I guess, against him. Um, But like you said, I think it's great. Like this is a league with such like watered down, careful cliche answers all the time. And that's part of what I like the most about both Kachucks is that they're not afraid to, I think they both resort to the cliche sometimes. I think they're both careful sometimes, but they're also not afraid to just unload in ways like that um, and show their personality and actually say something. So I'm not going to complain about what Brady said um, when we're we're just like as media members and fans too are just clamoring for somebody to show something. And, and Brady did that. And now I have a new diss to add to my repertoire. Brickhead. I love it. Such a brickhead. Like, I love it too because it's like rated PG, right? You can yeah. drop it anywhere. You are such a brickhead. It's like calling someone like you're like you're a stupid head. Yeah. I love like it. You're it's a just, butt. It, it's like it's rated PG. It's a, a PG rated tirade. And I, and but I love it. It cuts deep. It does. It does. And, yeah. you know, Jonathan Quick, as you would imagine, came to Brendan Lemieux's defense saying, uh, he called Kachuk's comments garbage, but what do you expect, right? Like that That's his teammate sticking up. Now, we should point out to our listeners, at the time of this recording, uh, we were recording this around, you know, 12 noon on Monday. Department of Player Safety has not levied their ruling on Brendan Lemieux. Uh, there is a possibility that this is greater than five games uh, based on the in-person element that was offered to him. My question is, what's a fair, what's a fair suspension here if they are able to review the tape talk to Kachuk, talk to Lemieux, talk to the officials and say, yeah, you know what? He definitely bit him. Uh, I, I've i heard, okay, I'm going to point something out here. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not saying I agree with this, but I have heard from a lot of people on Twitter saying, if someone sticks your their glove or their hand in your mouth, what are you supposed to do? Like, that's uh. the, uh, listen, I, I'm not defending it. I'm just, 
I'm just saying that that's the defense that's out there. Somebody sticks their hand in your mouth. What do you expect's going to happen? I, well, look, I again, I think you need to review the tape. You need to see how this all came about. Um, but I, I would imagine there's going to be a a five or six or seven game suspension. The only thing that bothers me though is sometimes you see, like I'd rather this league gets down really hard on hits to the head. Like that's mm -hmm. the epidemic in the game. The epidemic in the game is not biting. Like, yeah. like if you send a strong message to Brett, biting will not be tolerated. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, but there's only one guy doing it. Like, who cares? Like, we don't have a, an epidemic of biting in the league. We have a, you know, it, it's the shots to the head. It's the, the the cheap stuff we want to get out. So I'm less interested in, in this. Like, if they give them five games or they give them 10 games or 20, whatever they give them, I'm not going to be like, good, send the message. Because I don't think there's a message to be sent. I don't think anybody's out there on the fence about biting in hockey, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think that's why I said, like, I'm not trying to make that when I'm saying like, there's, we shouldn't be biting people in hockey. That's what I mean when I'm saying like, this is lower on the list. Like, this isn't the like, we need to get rid of this in the game. We we do, but it's not like we're screaming it from the rooftops because it's happening all the time. Um, I think that like, if he, if this ends up just being like the same fine that Artemi Panarin got for throwing a glove. That's, I mean, that's stupid. Um, throwing a glove <laughs> in a verbal argument and biting somebody um, potentially multiple times. Like there was potentially two bites to the hand of Brady Kachuk. Um, that's not the same fine. Like that's the thing. I just would like to see this being treated as its own. And like, it's just gross. It shouldn't happen. <laughs> I don't know if he gets suspended for multiple games. I don't know what the max fine is for biting. I don't have the rule book right in front of me, but you would just like to see this as with everything that happens in the game. And it sounds so cliche. We we're just talking about it, but I would just like this to be taken. I've dealt with properly, you know, like I, I'm so sick of seeing the, the stuff that comes down, the decisions that come down and like being disappointed and consistently being like, oh, that's it. You know, it, yeah. it's the, it's the hits of the head. It's, it's the boarding calls. It's the dangerous cross checks. It's the biting. Like, can we just get something right, please? That's all I really care about is yeah. I would like to read the verdict and say like, yeah, that, that makes sense on a consistent okay. basis. <laughs> You'd like to read uh, again. A lot of people are waiting for the statement to come out from department of player safety. My question is, do you want longtime actor Gilbert Gottfried? to read out the statement because we want to play a little audio here. If there's one gift that this Kachuk Lemieux thing has given us, it is the sound bite that we played earlier, but then there's this. So a fan, uh, and I love the fact that his Twitter handle is John Cougar Colleen Camp. I don't know what the backstory is, but this guy actually hired Hollywood actor Gilbert Gottfried, who I think like, see, you're, you're probably too young to know Gilbert Gottfried, right? I'm thinking, Haley, in your 20s? I know I know who that is. You do know who? Okay, I didn't know. I wasn't <laughs> sure. He's like, I think his best stuff was in like the, the problem child franchise of movies. I think okay. that's where Gilbert Gottfried is like yeah. best known from. Anyway, annoying, grating voice. And this guy on Twitter, hockey fan, decided to pay uh, Gilbert Gottfried through the Cameo app to read... The Brady Kachuk 
you know, kind of verbal dressing down of Brendan Lemieux. So I think we've got the audio of that. If we can play that here, I just want our listeners, like, just to appreciate the absurdity of this situation. This is the one time I'm going to answer this, said Doc Chuck. It was the most gutless thing somebody could ever do. This, the guy's just a joke. He shouldn't be in the league. The guy's gutless. No other team wants him. It's outrageous. Kids don't even do that anymore. Babies do that. And I don't even know when he was thinking. He just a complete brickhead. He's got nothing up there. Bad guy, bad player. What a joke he is to Kajuk. I mean, I love how he pronounces uh, Brady Kachuk's name there. I Look, I th- I'm all in for this new thing where you get like B and C level celebrities to kind of reenact media availabilities from the NHL, Haley. I'm all in on this. Yeah, people should start using the whole cameo thing um, way better than just happy birthday messages. Like, let's let's get more people reading random statements from the NHL. I think that'd be really funny. And because, like, with cameo, you can actually pay for, like, pretty decent celebrities, too. Like, can you imagine spending... How much money it would cost to get someone like really famous to just read an NHL statement or something? What do you think that would cost to get like an A-list celebrity to well, read? Why don't we look it up? Okay, and tell me what it, like. But what are we thinking of like like a like a like Matt Damon level of celebrity? Oh my gosh! Yeah, like I like don't even Morgan think that guy's Freeman. Oh man, Morgan Freeman would do such a great dramatic reading of this thing that guy's not available on cameo there's no way like he did I, the sense foundation commercials yeah it's he not did, cameo but, but like he did it he yeah, did but how much ad- did that cost <laughs> well exactly they didn't go, they didn't go through cameo i'll oh, tell you that no, no 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 so i i don't know that like you'd have to go with a kickstarter with a bunch of hockey fans like like one fan isn't going to pay five grand no are they for like a 90 second message from matt damon well, so I don't know, like, what, like, how uh, long these messages are based on, like, the price that's here, you know? There's a lot of soprano- Sopranos actors on here. <laughs> but, like, like wh- what if I want one of the Olsen twins? What's that going to run me? Are they <laughs> G- Give me Mary-Kate. I want Mary-Kate to, to read to- a statement from the Department of Player <laughs> Safety. What am I in for? I don't know. She's not on here. I'm panic. What? I'm panic scrolling. The Olsen twins seem like they're prime cameo candidates. No? I don't know. That's shocking. Oh, my God. The voice actor for Winnie the Pooh's on here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's $287 to get Jim Cummings to read something. That's Winnie the Pooh. Can you? Oh, my God. Can you imagine the Winnie the Pooh voice, like, reading something? Reading that Brady Kachuk thing about he's a bad guy. I want Eeyore. Reading out the Brady Kachuk. You know? Oh, he's a bad guy. <laughs> Can you imagine? With the Eeyore voice? I think that would be that better. A really bad impression. See, this is that was a good that was a good impression. I think I tweeted something like maybe a year ago. Oh, you can get the coach from high school musical. Oh my gosh. 
Wow. See, why aren't we doing this? Do you like, think we what? have a budget for a cameo? Yeah, on the <laughs> Athletic Hockey Show. You know, you know when we do the intro, when I do the intro to the show, hey, coming up this week. Uh, oh, this my God. Is, why aren't we hiring somebody through cameo to read our 45-second intro? Like I will personally pay to get the Winnie the Pooh voice. Yeah. To say welcome to the said? Athletic Hockey Show. Is that 287, 287 American, bucks. though? 287 American? Canadian. Canadian. Okay. I was thinking 287 American. That's like 400 Canadian. This is the okay. best thing I think we've ever done on the show is scroll I think through so. Cameo. That, that's probably more of an indictment on the rest of the body of work from us. You can get the guy who played the Night King in Game of Thrones, even though he doesn't really – I think he just screeches a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> See? This is what we should do. This is what Let's we Let's get do. some, if there's anyone listening that is still listening to this. <laughs> They're listening. <laughs> Let us know who we should pay for on Cameo. There we go. It'd be really funny to just get like James Duffy or something. But they're on a different app. Like James Duffy, oh. they're on, uh, uh, is it Memo? Oh, I see it. Okay. No, we're sticking with Cameo. Yeah. Sorry. They're on Memo. So- it would just have been funny to get like a hockey adjacent yeah. Somebody like who's like more famous than us, but still in hockey broadcast to do it. It's like, hey, can you do the intro for our show today? Yeah. We'll give like you 20 Darren, bucks. Just go up to Darren Pang and be like, do you mind reading this? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. I'm going to keep scrolling while you talk about hockey. And then we'll yeah. find someone for us. You're going to find somebody. I'm going to find so, the Olsen twins. The Olsen twins might be really far down on the list. I just want to say. And imagine like. But that might cost- mean they're cheap. But imagine it costs more for like Mary Kate than it did for Ashley. Like they're like the Sedines, right? Like they come as a like they're the same, right? Like you couldn't get one without the other. I'm thinking. Yeah, nope. their movies were great. Got to kick it up. Oh, Ugh. good stuff. New York Back Minute. Me. Oh man, miss that. But were all the movies like the same premise where they were like either they're switching or they're in the wrong spot or there's been some misunderstanding? Like they were they all were kids movies. <laughs> exactly. What do you want from them? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I want. Okay, listen, we're talking about Brendan Lemieux and 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 Brady Kachuk and, and the biting. That wasn't the only. That wasn't the only uh great kind of individual rivalry from the weekend. Haley, that gif of Artemi Panarin throwing his glove at Brad Marchand as time expired between the Rangers and the Bruins was was something that was shared um quite wi- uh, widely as well on social media. So at the end of that game, Rangers and Bruins, Panarin is jawing at Marchand and vice versa. And finally, the Rangers superstar has enough, takes his glove off and whips it. And with, with great accuracy, mind you, like it was, <laughs> it was a precise throw, right? Like it was like, man, did Artem, was Artemi Panarin like a high school quarterback or something? Cause it was <laughs> delivered with great accuracy. Now, what I think is interesting is Arthur Staple covered that game. Uh, said the reason why Artemi Panarin was upset with Marchand is that, according to this, is from Arthur Staples' piece on the weekend. According to his source, Brad Marchand made some Russian centric comments towards Panarin along the lines of, quote, nobody likes you there while bringing up Russian President Vladimir Putin, who, mm-hmm. of course, Panarin has been very critical of uh, Putin in the past. Panarin had enough and it might draw the attention of the Department of Player Safety. Now, it's worth pointing out, Marchand does have a visit with Dops 
on Monday, Department of Player Safety, but that's for a slew footing incident against Vancouver. But let's go back to what happened with Panarin. And I'm wondering, it seems to me that that would, for me, that would cross a line. Like if you're making comments about Vladimir Putin and Russia to Artemi Panarin, I'm sorry, to me, that crosses a line. I don't know what you think. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, especially knowing what happened with Artemi Panarin, I, oh God, was that at the beginning of this season or last no, no, year? Uh, last that season, last, last season, last season, um, where he, you know, took a leave of absence from the team because I think there was legitimate, we, we talked about this on the show, um, yeah. with, with what happened with, uh, Russia and, you know, he was, I think there was a legitimate, like fear for his safety and his personal well-being and he took a leave of absence so that's it's ap- and i mean even that aside to be making comments like that um it's it's just inappropriate it's stuff like that where there's chirping in the game there's things that people say sometimes it can be funny it it just crosses the line there's no need to be making comments to people because of where they're from or you know nobody likes you in your home country et cetera. Et cetera. it's just Again, I feel like we talk about stuff like this all the time. Like we should, there's, we got to get rid of that in the game because there's just so much stuff that it's like, we need to just get rid of this, this shit enough. So yeah. it's, it's not cool. It's not yeah. funny. You know, the, the glove throw, the whole situation, it was funny at first. You know, I was just like, oh, is that allowed? Like he just whipped his glove. Like, that's really funny. What a fun clip. And it's not that you get the context and you're like, yeah, that's not. That's not funny. I think he absolutely, I mean, Artemi Panarin probably had the right to do more than just throw a glove across the bench if that's actually what Brad Marchand said to him. Yeah, and and threw it, you know, with, with, like I said, whipped it with his left hand. It was just delivered with accuracy. And um, Now, is that the only piece of, a, like, and again, Panarin, by the way, got a $5,000 fine for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I laughed. Panarin spoke to the media on the weekend and joke that yeah, I'm out five thousand dollars, but hey, thanks to the Rangers, uh, I'm making eleven and a half million, so I'm good. Like I, I thought that was a a great clip and a quote from yeah. from Panarin. But is a glove the only thing you can throw at your opponent that won't result in a suspension? Like you throw your helmet at somebody, suspension, right? You throw your stick at somebody, suspension. I think yeah. the glove is the only thing you could throw that you're like, well, you know what? We're gonna give you a fine. You probably shouldn't do that, but you're not going to get suspended for it, right? Yeah, because there's nothing else you could really take off easily and that you could throw without harming someone. Like you're not taking your shoulder pad off and throwing it at someone. Your elbow Unless you're pad, in a fight maybe. and they like yeah. ripped one of your pads off and then you throw yeah. it at them. You're not unlacing yeah. a skate. No, no. You're also not going to throw a skate unless you're a psychopath. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm I- thinking it's glove, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking it's glove. So $5,000 fine for Panarin. Uh, Marchand is uh, in some hot water for the slew footing incident. Uh, but again, I, we think that maybe the NHL should investigate what Marchand said to Panarin, uh, caused him to throw that glove in the first place. And, you know, we'll see what uh, we'll see what comes of that. Now, we're talking individual debates, and something got reignited last week, Haley. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's Sid versus Ovi. It's Ovechkin and Crosby. And Ovechkin is off to a banana start arguably on pace for the best season of his career at his age. And the thing that was thrown out, and now I can't remember, was it our pal Scott Wheeler that was the first to throw this out last week? Yep. Um, And basically said, I don't know, like, you know, maybe it's time to start 
saying that Ovechkin's career is better than Crosby's, and it's a okay. I think it's a really great debate, and and I and I think the thing that I hate about these debates is it ends up that you start ripping on one guy, and these are two of the best players of all time. Like I'm, I, if you're making an all time top ten list, these guys are on it, and you know for Wheeler, we're talking about like. Does Ovechkin end up on the Mount Rushmore of players? If you know, it, look, it's a great debate, but I think here's the here's the fair question to ask. It's not which player would you take it at their peak? Because I I think it's Crosby at his peak, uh, based on his position, based on you know some of some of the things. Again, it's a fair argument, but I think here's the question, Haley: If Ovechkin breaks Gretzky's all-time goals record, is it fair to say he had a better career? than Crosby. Not that he's a better player. He had a better career than Crosby. Is that fair? If you think that goal scoring is the most important thing in the NHL, then sure. But isn't it kind of important? Like, Is it the sole, like, most important thing in hockey is to be able to score goals or is it to be able to score goals, make plays, be good defensively, and be one of the best all-around players in the league? I don't know. I, I don't like, and I'm, I think I'm it's not a t- saying that I don't love the de- I know, I know, and I'm not either. Like Ovechkin is going to have an incredible career whether he breaks the record or not. Um, but I think the debate is <laughs> – I tweeted once – we I said to Wheeler, I was like, why did you do this? And I even tweeted like, no, <laughs> no, we're not doing this debate again. It's 2021. I think it's a really – I think it's kind of a tired debate. I look at it the same as the – like Messi Ronaldo debate in in football it's it's a little bit different but like it's you know you've got a player who is one of the in Messi has some of the best footwork he can go through anybody if you have five people on him he can still get out of that situation and score he's one of the most overall best players in the world in football Cristiano Ronaldo is a very highly skilled player also and he can shoot and score from anywhere um and everyone wants to talk about who's better and, and who has more goals, who's won more um, Champions League, who's won more trophies, um, when we could just like enjoy the fact that we're watching two of the best players in the world in their prime at the same time, um, who, who both approach the game in different ways. Um, Crosby is, in my opinion, one of the best all-around players in the world. Um, when he was in his prime, I think he was the best all-around player in the league. And Ovechkin has been one of the best scorers. And now in this like stage of his career that he's in, like obviously he is getting older and we're watching the way that he's adapting to that. Like, and he's still got it and it's incredible and it's so impressive. But isn't that a little bit of recency bias to look like the reason this argument right now bothered me is you had Sidney Crosby coming off of wrist surgery and missing the start of the season, playing one game, then getting COVID and coming back and trying to readjust from wrist surgery and COVID, or I believe he had symptoms. And so you're looking at Sidney Crosby's like three games that he played, (laughs) and you're looking at Ovechkin's body of work this season where he's been scoring and saying, well, Ovi's clearly better, and it just reeks of recency bias. I, yeah, I think the I, debate is blah. I don't. I I texted Chris, our producer, and said I think I'm going to sit in silent protest and not say anything. No, but it's just. I, I'm <laughs> it's, telling you, Haley. Like I think if Alex Ovechkin ends up with 900 career goals, and he's, he's got going a stamp- to be the best goal scorer yeah. in the world. That doesn't mean the best player. No, and that's my whole point. Is 
I think you can make an argument if if Ovechkin breaks Gretzky's record that he had a better career than Crosby. But I'm not saying he's a better player. It's like it's like Marcel Dion. Marcel Dion probably had a better career than like I don't know Peter Forsberg or like Paul Correa or like you know pick a pick a player, and you'd be like, yeah, Marcel Dion had a better career, but he wasn't the better player. I think you could make an argument at the end of this, even though Sid will have three cups. And all the metrics that, yeah. that you want. You think, think like you, could, you think goals are better than trophies and championships and stuff? I I just think like you don't can you make, think that Ovi? Do you think Alex Ovechkin would rather have three Stanley Cups or a goal scoring record? I think okay, this is such a great question. Okay, would you rather have three Stanley Cups or and Olympic or, gold medals okay, and the gold medal sure, goals and sure. stuff? What would or, you rather have? But. If you're telling me I can have the all-time goals record and a Stanley Cup, boy, oh boy, Haley, I don't know. I like, like I want to maybe, maybe I want to be the Hank Aaron of my sport, or you know, again, and, and here comes the Barry Bonds crowd. But whatever, like, I, I don't know. I, I think I might want to be the all-time goal. I might want to knock Gretzky off a perch and have a championship. That's all. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I, I think it's a yeah, great I debate. Just, I, I think it's a really good debate. It's good, like, radio podcast fodder, but I think it's just, I feel like we've been talking about this and debating the merits of each player for so long. Like, even even Crosby sat down, I think, with ESPN and said, like, I want him to beat the record. That'd be really awesome. Like, I think it's cool the way that their rivalry has evolved over time. Um I think that's really awesome. I think Ovi beating the record would be cool. But, like, yeah, I guess – I think it's a good debate and it's a fair question. Like, if he breaks that, is he the – does he have the better career? I, and, again, I think I just say, like, if goal scoring is the thing that matters the most and winning that record that matters the most, then, yeah. I think this is, like, a choose-your-own-adventure thing, right? Like, oh. we can all pick what we value more right. than talking about a player's career. And I think – I don't know. I don't know if I would rather look at somebody's like whole body of work and say, look at all the things they won and the way that they played. I don't know. I know. It's, then a, it's, it's hard to look at. It's hard to look at a goal scoring record and, and say, nah, he's not the best. I think it's, I want to be, I think I want to be Ovechkin. I think I want to have the all time goals record. And now if it was all time goals record and no cups. Yeah. I'd probably go sit, but you're giving me a cup. You're giving me one Stanley cup. It's not like, like Sid is the only guy ever to win three cups, right? Like there's lots yeah. of people, Taves and Kane and, you know, go through the list of players, Messier and all these guys, they all got more than three cups. So it's not like there's only one guy with three cups. Like there's lots of them, but there, there yeah. might be only one guy with 900 goals. That's all. But I think it's a fun, I think it's a fun conversation. Hey, speaking of Crosby and the Penguins, Haley, we got some finalized news uh, that kind of came out on Monday, and that is the Fenway Sports Group that owns and operates the Boston Red Sox, among other entities, has finally purchased the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they do it, Haley, for $900 million, which I think is kind of significant because now I think the Penguins are kind of like your classic mid-market team, right? They're not New York or Toronto or L.A. or what have you. They are a mid-market team, and they're close to a billion dollars in the sale price. I think that's that's pretty significant, no? Uh, yeah, I think so. And it's uh, two hundred. So it's nine hundred million dollars sale that Pierre LeBrun's reporting, which would be two hundred and fifty million dollars more than the Seattle buy-in. 
Yeah. Um, so that kind of valuation for an NHL franchise, it's obviously good. Um, I know people were talking about this when uh, the news was initially kind of being speculated and reported. Like, is there some kind of like snowball effect for other are other ownership groups going to come in and try to buy franchises or franchises going to try to look at what their valuation is? Um, it's probably a, a humbling thing for owners who may or may not be selling to, to be like, Oh God, I'm not going to get that much. We're not the Pittsburgh Penguins too. You know, I think it puts a measuring stick in. That's not just like an expansion team, you know, now teams, if they want to sell or owners, if they want to sell, they're not looking at the Vegas or Seattle buy and they're looking at like a legitimate team um, and they can see where they stack up against Penguins. And um, so obviously that's a big chunk of change. It's almost a billion dollars, like you said. I think um, I think there was like a bit of, um, and, and we talked about this on different podcasts throughout the week too, um, so we don't have to linger on it too much. But I think it's um, it's interesting. I thought there was a little bit of like, oh, oh God, what is this going to mean? Like what's going to happen when the news initially broke? But it, it seems like this is a generally positive thing for the Penguins. Yep. I think um, Lemieux and Burkle are still going to be involved um, in in stuff with the Penguins, which I know that's a, a big thing for for fans, having Mario Lemieux still, still involved with the team. He's not going anywhere, it doesn't look like. And it seems like, like this, you know, this is a – a ownership group with a strong portfolio who were interested in purchasing the Pittsburgh Penguins to add to their already strong portfolio. Like they weren't looking to buy a, you know, a franchise who was struggling that they could help build back up. They wanted to add a franchise that they already knew was strong and profitable yep. to make it even more so. And and we can see that this group has been, they don't seem to be afraid of spending money and and that can only be, mean good stuff for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Josh Yoey was on the Tuesday show last week. And I think a big part of it is there's this parcel of land around the arena um, that's just been parking for so long since the old building, Mellon Arena, which I used to go to as a kid, <laughs> really old, like Igloo Barn. Um, that parcel of land's just been like empty parking spaces for a long time. There's been like a fight over what to do with that. And I think that's going to be um, a priority for this new ownership group is to figure out what they're going to do with that. And I think that's a pretty significant thing for, for Penguins fans. So seems like there's a lot of good that can come from this, um, for, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, uh, yeah, all I know is like, I'm on mountain time. I woke up this morning and I was like, Oh, a lot of stuff happened. The Penguin sale, um, everything with the Canadians coming up today. Cause we're having Arpin on. I was like, Oh, bunch of stuff happened while I was waking up at eight 30 miss a lot. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. 
See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Haley, time for us to bring in our, uh, our, our feature guest today because we said this was the biggest news as much as we you know talked about Kachuk and the bite with Lemieux and Panarin and, and Marchand and all the stuff that's gone on. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens cleaning house was, I think, the biggest story of the weekend. Arpin Basu does a terrific job covering the Montreal Canadiens for us. Arpin, uh, listen, thanks for joining us. I know this has been an interesting Monday for you. Uh, just was we'll start with the uh, with the Jeff Molson press conference. And was there anything uh, that you heard from the owner that surprised you, shocked you, anything like that uh, on on Monday? Uh, shocked? No. Um, it was it was encouraging to hear him say that you know adding diversity to the hockey operations department uh, and support for for the people in those roles um, was a priority for the group. It's obviously something that did not exist under Mark Bergevin at all. It was just a group of uh, a group of white men, middle-aged white men. Um, so we'll see how that actually plays out. Uh, it was also encouraging to hear that uh, the, the medical performance team is going to put an emphasis on player wellness and mental health, especially with what we've seen with Carey Price of late and Jonathan Drew last year. Um, so identifying that as a priority, I think, was a good step, and it was a good thing for him to to announce. Um, but otherwise, you know, his, his main point of emphasis was how, you know, this is a fresh start for the Canadians and this is a two person job and, and, and what the two person job part of it, why it's important is now no one is more aware than Jeff Molson that he just hired someone, uh, who comes from Massachusetts and does not speak French in a, in a very high ranking role in his hockey operations department, the highest ranking role for being honest, in his highest in his hockey operations department. So it was important for Jeff to come out and say, well, the GM is ultimately the one who's going to have to live with the decisions and be accountable for them. And that GM is going to be bilingual. If we're being honest here, Jeff Gordon didn't just take this job to, to be a sort of a, a passive observer or advisor to this general manager who, who's yet to be known, but who is likely going to have very little experience in a managerial role because when you look at some of the candidates that are out there who are bilingual, none of them have extensive experience and they don't need to because Jeff Gordon has extensive experience. So the beauty of this situation is the Canadians can go outside the box, maybe even look at a woman for that position, maybe even look at, you know, any number of types of people. They, mo- they don't even have to come from the from the hockey world necessarily. They could just have a good managerial background generally um, to mesh with Jeff Gordon uh, and form sort of a two-headed monster, but I think it's it's quite evident that that Jeff Gordon's going to be running the ship because even Jeff Molson, when he was asked what the criteria is for the new general manager, deferred to Jeff Gordon and said we should ask him when he finally speaks to the media. So it's pretty clear who's in charge here. Can you contextualize Arpin? Why now? I know for people who are paying attention, there's been a lot of stuff piling up, but why did these changes happen when they did for the Montreal Canadiens? Well, I think Jeff Molson was in a bit of a, a difficult situation in the sense that, you know, Mark Bergevin's contract is up at the end of this season. Um, the Canadians made the Stanley Cup final last year. And Jeff Molson m- mentioned this right off the hop, is that, yes, they went to the Stanley Cup final last year. But if you look at their last few regular seasons, the performance has been so-so, if not if not bad. You know, I mean, they made the COVID playoffs 24th in the league. They squeaked into the playoffs last year. You know, after a terrible regular season, only solely because the Canadian, the rest of the Canadian division was not able to take advantage of how bad they were, and then they went on this magical run in the playoffs. But you know, the actual basis of the team, the you know, 
how it had performed over a larger sample was not all that convincing, but you can't really fire a general manager after you just appeared in the Stanley Cup final. So I think a series of circumstances led to Mark Bergevin entering the final year of his contract. I think Jeff Molson tried to get him to sign an extension out of this after the Stanley Cup final. Um, it's a good thing he didn't. And I think Mark Bergevin's sort of demands were pretty high for that in terms of money and, and responsibility and title and all that stuff. Uh, so then September came around and Jeff Molson was like, well, let's just wait and see. And and then what happened happened this season. So why now? The Canadians are terrible. They're after the worst start in franchise history. They are already out of playoff, like far out of playoff contention. Like there's no hope of them making the playoffs at all. Uh, so, you know, I think it's good to get the next person a head start. And that's what Jeff Gordon has right now. He's got you know, 60 odd games to to fully evaluate everything that's going on in the organization. And so that's probably better than waiting till the off season and having someone come in then uh, not having this time to to learn about the people who are already in place and then make some more informed decisions later. Arpin, did, did it have to be this sticky and messy? And, and I, and maybe, maybe Scott Mellonby is the best example of that where it, it felt like it got awkward with Scott Mellonby. And I guess my question is, did it have to be done that way? No, of course it didn't have to be done that way, but it, it you also shouldn't be making, I don't know to what extent it was a promise to Scott Mellonby that he would be taking over for Mark Bergevin. Um, but there was obviously some level of commitment made in that, in that vein uh, that Mellonby felt that that was his job to lose. And then suddenly he had lost it. Uh, I think it's Jeff Molson's prerogative to hire whoever he wants to run his hockey operation. He's the owner of the Montreal Canadiens. This is not a decision that should be made lately. And 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 if you have to go back on certain promises that you made in the past, then then so be it. But it's not a great look to have someone who had been with the organization for ten or twelve years um, suddenly leaving on these terms. Uh, and it's it's you know I think thing with Jeff Molson is that he's always been someone who would prefer stability than having to make a difficult decision. Today he came out and talked about how I'm the guy who makes the tough decisions and it's my job to do that. But frankly, Jeff Molson avoids difficult decisions as much as possible. In 2018, the Canadians were, you know, the third or fourth worst team in the NHL. Firing Mark Bergevin at the time would have made a ton of sense. He didn't do that. And you know, to Mark Bergevin's credit, he actually did a pretty good job from that point forward. But, you know, this is not something that Jeff Molson did lightly. It's, it's, but I think the ugliness of it, if you will, first of all, I don't think there's ever a smooth way to do something like this, to fire so many people and, and to, to, you know, to make the decision that he made. Uh, but I think some of the, some of the uglier portions kind of speak to some of the, I guess, indecisiveness that Jeff Molson has had over the years as owner. And it really takes, it really takes a disaster for, to get him to act. And and that's, that's what he has on his hands right now. Arvin, I kind of want to go back to something you talked about in your first answer, just about, um, you know, how you have an Anglophone in Jeff Gorton and then the general manager is, I guess he's supposed to be and, and will be um, French speaking, but can you explain to our audience, why it's important for the next GM to be bilingual? Because I'm not sure if it's a concept that a lot of people completely understand, and maybe that's not giving people enough credit. But could you maybe just go through that a bit? Yeah, sure. Um, what I think a lot of people don't understand is that 
outside of Montreal, there's a good chunk of the Quebec population, like a significant chunk of the Quebec population that does not understand English, does not speak English at all. Um, they represent the, you know, they are hardcore Canadians fans. Many of, you know, maybe not the ones who are in the Bell Centre, but people who live and die with this team. Uh, there are many of them who don't speak English at all. So, you know, some people say that, oh, it happens in Europe all the time. Teams hire translators. Fine. But this is not that. The Canadians represent to the city of Montreal and the province of Quebec what they represent to this population is different than any other team in the NHL, for sure. I imagine is different than a lot of the teams in Europe. I think the closest comparable would probably be FC Barcelona in Europe, but it's 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 something that is tied like deeply tied to to you know national identity in Quebec and culture and and everything that Quebec the Quebec population holds dear. Um the other thing that's important to Quebec culture and identity is language. There are the two they're two of the sort of central tenets of 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 what the Quebec population considers to be important. So basically what it comes down to is it is a sign of respect. That's all it is, is that we will not ask you to listen to the person making decisions for your hockey team. We will not ask you to try and understand this person in a language that's foreign to you. Um, it's a policy that I think is justifiable. I understand why people feel it limits them because it does. I understand why people feel it holds them back because it does. They do not have access to the full gamut of coaches or general managers that, that can work in the NHL. Uh, but I also feel that it's, it's, it's an acknowledgement by the Canadians of their own importance in the society that they live in and uh, is a sign of respect to people where the question of language is probably the most sensitive issue uh, in this society. What I'm curious about is now, and whoever takes over as general manager is obviously going to have, you know, quite, quite a lot on their plate. Um, I know Jeff Molson said in that press conference, I'm not afraid of the word rebuild. I don't think our fans would be afraid of the word rebuild. So is it fair to say that the decisions coming in the next few months from Hockey Operations Arpen are solely with that in mind, that this is now a rebuild, that, yeah, they went to the Stanley Cup final, but this is a rebuilding team and you're going you're gonna to be in for a couple of painful seasons now? Uh, I don't think so. Not necessarily. I mean, again, Jeff Molson deferred that question largely to Jeff Gordon, um, which, again, shows the extent to which Jeff Gordon is going to have his hands on the steering wheel here. But... Um, I don't think Jeff Jeff Molson just said that in the sense because he was asked directly three times about the word rebuild, and you know all he was saying is that I'm not ruling it out that it's that it's it's something that he'd be willing to do. It's something that he feels the fans would be willing to live through. I honestly don't think the Canadians are in that situation. It's it, you know we looked at it recently. There there are ten players on the Canadians' current roster, including Shea Weber, uh, who are are signed for at least three more years. No other team in the NHL has as many contracts that last that long. They are they are as contractually locked into a roster as any team in the NHL. Actually, the only one who rivals them is ironically the Rangers, Jeff Gorton's Rangers, former team, um, who have a lot of money committed to to a lot of their core pieces. But a lot of that a lot of that money is 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 devoted to you know Carey Price, uh, Yol Armia, 
uh, Jake Evans, which is admittedly Shea Weber, who's not probably never going to play again. But it, they're not – the only real core piece in that group of 10 players is Nick Suzuki. Otherwise, it's Josh Anderson, Brendan Gallagher. Like, they're guys who are, like, kind of complementary pieces. So tearing this down is not exactly easy. It's not something that you can just walk in and say, well, we're going to buy out this, 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 and we're going to trade this guy for picks. We're gonna, and to do basically what Jeff Gordon did with the Rangers – is not going to be nearly as easy to do with the Canadians. You know, when Gordon announced the rebuild in New York within a month, uh, JT Miller, Ryan McDonough, uh, Michael Grabner, Nick Holden, Rick Nash, like all these players were gone within a month. Uh, I don't think he's going to be able to do that in Montreal. He's, he's, he's very limited. And so given that, given that circumstance and given that a lot of these players are not bad players, you know, Josh Anderson's not a bad player. Gallagher's not a bad player. Uh, you know, Tyler Toffoli's got a couple more years on his contract. It's not a bad player. I mean, they have some decent pieces here. They just don't fit together. So I think it's going to be up to Gorton to figure out how to make them fit a little better and maybe create a little bit of room under the cap. But I don't think they're in a position to go full on rebuild right now. Do you think Gorton's going to take some time to be there, look at the team, look at the coaching staff before making any changes? Like, is there something like that that could, could be coming? Or do we think he's comfortable with the bench right now? Well, I think... I think the beauty of this situation, considering it's a lost season already, Jeff Gordon doesn't really have to do anything. He can mm-hmm. he can literally sit there and watch and evaluate. I mean, what's the point of hiring a coach right now? Like, there's really and you know, too bad for Dominique Ducharme, but he's you know he, he's basically going to have to prove to Jeff Gordon that he deserves this job and whoever the next GM is. But this is it's what makes the timing of this make a lot of sense is that you have this 60 games to work with where you can observe and learn about this organization from top to bottom. And honestly, if I were the Canadians, I wouldn't be rushing into hiring a GM either. I would wait until the off season when everyone, you know, when you have full availability of, of the limited pool of candidates that you have to work with, if you want to, if you need a bilingual GM. So Jeff Gordon could sit back. He can run the trade deadline, trade Ben Sherratt for a pick, trade Brett Kulak for a pick, trade anyone else you can really um, other than, you know, your young core. But, you know, if you can get some other picks for some of these other guys who have term on their contracts, then, then so be it. I think Jeff Gordon is more than qualified to handle that. But if I were them, I would be in no rush to make any other moves. Just sit back, let Jeff Gordon learn about this organization, the people who are in it, the players who are who are playing for him. See how they react to adversity, which frankly so far has not been all that impressive. You know, as soon as things went south for this team, it just continued going south. Not a lot of pushback. So let him learn those things. And and he has a long time. He has months to do it and, and learn everything he needs to know about this team. So if, if I were him, I wouldn't be rushing into any moves. I mean, maybe other than hiring some people that he likes to work with. But otherwise, you know, firing more people wouldn't make a whole lot of sense right now. Uh, and maybe just to close this out, Arpin, I, I think there's a lot of hockey fans all over North America that uh, would just love to know if there's any update on Carey Price, how he's doing. Uh, you know, obviously, I think everyone is is, is pulling for him, uh, given given what he's up against. Is there any kind of update, any idea of how how Carey is uh, is doing? Uh, well, he was on the ice this morning in a tracksuit uh, long before the morning skate, um, so that's an encouraging sign. Dominic Ducharme mentioned him having four steps <clears throat> to returning to the team, uh, one of which was, you know, mental and physical conditioning. Uh, the other one uh, was getting on the ice, which is what 
we saw this morning, the next one would be practice and, and the next one would be working with the goalie coach on the ice, which has not happened yet. And then the next one would be practicing with the team. Then it would be playing. And so the other beauty of this terrible situation for the Canadians is that Carey Price should feel no pressure to return one second before he's absolutely ready to return. You know, there's no, there's no pressing issue where the Canadians desperately need Carey Price to show up for their playoff lives, uh, you know, for their playoff chances to remain alive. Um, their playoff chances are dead. So Carey Price could take all the time he needs, not feeling the pressure um, to come back sooner. And and it looks like that's what he's going to do. And I hope that's what he does, you know, because I think, uh, and it, it'll be great when Carey Price reaches the day when he can talk to 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 the fans about, about his decision and what he went through and what he did and, and how he bettered himself uh, by seeking help. Because I think he has a full understanding that that he can be a large influence on a lot of people who are maybe going through some of the same issues that he went through um, and be inspired by his desire to, to seek help. Because if, if people feel they have too much to lose by admitting they have a problem and seeking help, well, not too many people had more to lose than Carey Price did. And he did it anyway. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that we won't see him for a while. And I don't think we will, you know, considering he was in, he was in a tracksuit today. He wasn't even in goalie pads. So we're probably, weeks away from Carey Price being in a Canadian's uniform and and I hope that's the case cuz I want him you know I would want him to take all the time he needs. Well, listen, Arpen, this was uh, this was a great update on uh, what has obviously been a very eventful 72 hours uh for the team that you cover. Appreciate your time and, and hey, listen, let's give you a little uh, uh chance to plug your own podcast here because there're obviously some Habs fans and hockey fans that might want the latest free plug for your uh, podcast here, Arpen. Free plug. Well, our podcast is called The Athletic Support uh, or Le Sport Athletic. We had an emergency pod uh, Sunday evening where Marc Antoine was in a, an airport. So you hear the you hear the PA announcements going in the background. Uh, but we felt it important to get our thoughts out on on sort of the monumental events of Sunday. But we are we record every Wednesday normally. Uh, so by Wednesday late afternoon or early evening, uh, you get a new episode. They alternate between French and English because it's a Montreal podcast, and so it should. <laughs> And uh, on Wednesday's episode, we'll be in French, but there's an episode right now that you can go listen to uh, from Sunday night uh, in English with Marc-Antoine and I talking about all this stuff for about 40 minutes. Awesome stuff. So yeah, check that out if, you, if you're uh, looking for more Habs content. Arpin, thanks for this, and uh, we'll get you again, I'm sure, down the road. All right. Thanks, guys. Time for us to wrap up the show with a little, uh, you got a couple of questions from listeners. We got some multiple choice madness and... Uh, Want to hit on this? This is actually a good question. This came to us via Twitter, and, and I think all of a sudden there are some louder. The whispers are getting louder, and it almost feels like it's. Uh, it, it, it almost feels like now we should prepare ourselves for the fact that we may not see NHLers at the Olympics. And, and this is a uh, question that was tweeted to us uh, by Ozzy, who says, "What do you think the sentiment is with the NHL going to the Olympics, seeing the disturbing situation that is happening?" Uh, overseas right now and and as you look at it i think there's a, a fear that the 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 covid numbers aren't great uh in in beijing uh, there might be a kind of a safety issue from the players i think there's a fear from players that if i go over there and i test positive what if i'm stuck in beijing for two three weeks um january 10th uh, pierre lebron has often talked about this that is the date where the nhl can essentially haley um pull the ripcord and say, hey, sorry, we're out. We're not going to the Olympic Games. As we get closer to it and you listen to some of those insiders, whether it's Pierre Lebrun and, and others, it seems like 
we should start to open up our minds to the idea that they're not going to the Olympic Games. And I don't know if that's going to happen, but it feels like that's where we're, we're trending, no? Yeah, I think it's obviously with, with, in this, with you know, more games getting postponed, if, if that happens more, um, we're going to start thinking about that a little bit more too with just games getting pushed back. It's, it's three days. Um, the Penguins were – or not the Penguins, excuse me. The Sens were three days. Um, Islanders were three days as well, I believe. It doesn't look like a whole lot um, when you're looking at the individual team cases. Um, but if team, more teams start getting games postponed and it's three days, three days, three days, three days, um, then you're starting to push games back to, in a way that the NHL won't be able to, to send people just based on that. And then you have all of the – and I don't want to say that to, to raise the alarm. Again, it's only been – um, the two teams, and I think we've seen insiders and say, I, I don't know if that's enough. I think um, the underlying thing here is the health and safety of players and the health and safety of just people in the world. Um, but Gary Bettman has also said that he made a promise to the players that they would go to the Olympics and they're going to do everything that they can to do that. I don't know if we believe uh, Gary Bettman when he says that wholeheartedly. But I do think that it's a really important thing for the NHL players, for the NHLPA. So I think, like, they're going to try to find a way to go and go and do this. But at the end of the day, if it's not safe due to COVID or um, other factors that are happening around the world in Beijing within the context of the Olympics, if it's just not possible, then it's not going to be possible. Um, and I don't know if right now, like, I don't, I don't know if we have enough of that stacking up to say like, no, they're not going to go. I think it looks like it, it looks like more of a, a topic of discussion right now because of things that are happening for sure. Um, but I don't know if we're in a spot where we can say like, yeah, there's no chance they're going to the Olympics. When, uh, when the, if the NHL ever puts out a statement announcing that the players are not going to the Olympic games, I say we hired Gilbert Gottfried to read that to statement. read the statement. Yeah. I think we go with Winnie the Pooh. Or Winnie the actually that that might be the Eeyore tone of all Eeyore tones right there. The Eeyore voice actor is not on there. It's just Winnie the Pooh or Tigger. Yeah, no, th this is too too downtrodden for Tigger. We need also. I was looking at Mimeo, not Cameo. I made a mistake. Cameo is yeah, where the high ballers are. I looked yeah. at Cameo. It's not cheap. Okay, that's uh, that's good to know. Hey, uh, <laughs> one more question here from a uh, from a listener via uh, social media. And uh, look, it's, it's been a rough week uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, the Vancouver Canucks, the Ottawa Senators. Max wants to know, which of those three teams has the bleakest outlook, Vancouver, Montreal, or Ottawa? Haley. Oh, gosh. Uh, it probably depends who you ask and what market, right? Like, I'm sure every market's going to, most of those markets are going to say they have it worst. Um, I feel like Vancouver is pretty bad just because I don't know how you see a way out there. Um, I think with Montreal, that I mean, Montreal kind of just looks like a team who probably they punched out of their weight class last year, looked a lot better than they did, came this year, lost a bunch of players. Obviously, Carey Price wasn't with the team to start the, the year for um, an important personal reason to take care of himself. Um, but I think a lot went wrong for the Canadians, but you can at least kind of see like, okay, they're going to bring a new brain trust in. They're going to get a fresh start. They're going to, you know, are they going to rebuild? Are they just going to start from scratch? Whatever it may be. 
they're kind of at that starting place where you can maybe see something happening in the future if you believe in the people they're putting in place. Um, but with the Sens and the Canucks, like they don't have that yet. It's the same people who got them into this point that are still at the helm. And how are fans supposed to see the way out? Is Jim Benning going to be the one to fire Travis Green and hire a new coach when Jim Benning is the one whose hands are all over Jim Benning and um, Francesco Accolini, their hands are all over everything that hasn't worked. Uh, is Jim Benning going to be the one that's hiring the coach that's finally going to make it work, that's going to make the changes that make it work, or is he going to be gone? Um, is it Travis Green who takes the fall? Is there players who are going to be on the way out? Um, with the Ottawa Senators, I thought the rebuild was over. Um, so I don't know which one specifically is more bleak, but I, I would definitely say it's between the Canucks or, or the Sens. And a lot of that's because you've, you have the people who the architects of the mess are still in charge. Yeah, it's a tough one because I, I actually think Ottawa's got a great core of young players. Like you can sell me on the uh, on the on ice product, and even Vancouver Quinn Hughes and uh, you know I know Besser's had his ups and downs, and 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 Pedersen's had his ups and downs. But there's some nice young pieces. The Habs have whiffed on so many of their draft picks in recent years, and the ones that they haven't whiffed on. Uh, whether it's Sergachev or I guess to some extent Katkaniemi, they're not even there, right? So my concern on Montreal is, you know, they, you got these guys that are, whether it's Josh Anderson or Brendan Gallagher or Dvorak or Jeff Petrie, like you got a bunch of guys uh, locked up and like, where are you going? Like, where are you going in the next couple of years? Mike Hoffman is there uh, mm -hmm. on a longer deal. Uh, again, you don't know how it's going to play out with Carey Price. So it's just, they're the ones that are caught in the most awkward situation. I actually think Ottawa and Vancouver, you can sell me on the fact that they might be uh, okay on the ice. And like you said, maybe the decision makers, maybe that's part of the issue there. But but I don't I don't know when the Montreal Canadiens are going to be competitive again. And that to me is uh, leaves them with a little bit of a bleak out, outlook. Yeah, but if they're committing to starting from scratch and, and doing it right, I don't know if I look at Montreal and say – that's a bigger mess than what's happening in Vancouver right now. Maybe that's because I'm reading too much Thomas Drans lately, uh, who's been doing a really good job of this, and Arpin's doing a great job too. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> it seems like it's a little bit more messy in places like Vancouver than it is Montreal. I know that they've got the good young core, and the pieces in Montreal um, are exactly what you said, but I'm pretty sure don't the Habs have – I think they probably have the same amount of wins. They both they both have more wins than the Senators do. Uh, and a promising young roster, as we're seeing, can only get you so far. Uh, they're not doing great right now. So and what are they going to look like and what pieces are going to surround them based on the people who are still in charge? All right, Haley, and as we always do, a little multiple choice madness on your Monday here. Now, it was a significant week uh, in the NHL. You don't often see players – with this type of term and dollar amount and star power placed on waivers uh, in, in the middle of the season. But we had it on two occasions this week. San Jose doing it with Evander Kane. I think that was kind of expected. Ottawa doing it with Matt Murray, though, was wow. It was like, uh, didn't see that one coming. So here's question number one. Haley, multiple choice madness. Who's going to end up playing more games in the NHL in the future? Is it A, Evander Kane, or B, Matt Murray? Um. Part of me wants to say Evander Kane, even despite everything that's happened and everything that he did. Um, there's a lot of 
examples of players who've done questionable and bad things that go on to continue playing because they are good. And Evander Kane is a better forward than Matt Murray is goalie right now. And I think there's teams who are going to look at Evander Kane and say that's a point-per-game player, an elite winger. He can add something to our team, um, and they're going to go for him. We we saw it with everything that happened with Tony D'Angelo. I don't know if anyone thought that Tony was going to play, and now he's uh, he's in COVID protocol right now, but he's having an excellent start to the season with the Carolina Hurricanes, and he's showing again why he is you know, a really talented, really skilled, very good defender. It was never his skill and, and aptitude at the position that was a question. It was all the, the personal uh, off-ice stuff, um, which is the same with Evander Kane. Um, but I think he's probably going to play more because he's good, and Matt Murray has struggled for a while. He hasn't been the Stanley Cup winning goalie for, uh, what, three, four years now? Yeah. Um, there's always – I mean, there's always value in goaltenders, but there's more value in top-line wingers – who can score at the rate that Evander Kane has. He was really good last season, and I think teams are going to remember that. Yeah, you know what? I think you made a really, really good point when you said, right now, Evander Kane is probably a better forward than Matt Murray as a goalie. That's a that's a fair statement. And it's not to say that Matt can't or won't get it back, but when you've had a sub-900 save percentage for three consecutive seasons, and now you've got a cap hit north of $6 million for the next couple of years. Like, here's the thing on Matt Murray, Haley. Real dollars, real dollars. He is owed eight million in real cash coming up in the 2023-2024 season. So think about that. When you when you're paying somebody eight million to be your goalie in two years from now, what do you what do you want them to be? You you they should be a franchise goalie. They should be stealing you games and keeping you in, not being sent to the American Hockey League. And and um He's making it, more than Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. I know it's it's um five shutouts this season. It's tough, and, and and you make a good point in that Kane – look, in, in if these guys are going to end up anywhere, it's either going to be because the team, San Jose and Ottawa, retain salary or because they get bought out in the summertime, right? Like, there's no way Evander Kane with his $7 million cap hit is being traded from San Jose somewhere else with no salary being retained. I don't think, right? Unless there's some awful contract that comes back. And same with Matt Murray. I don't see Ottawa trading him – to an Arizona or a Buffalo, whoever else you might want to speculate might be looking for a goalie without mm-hmm. Ottawa taking half the money or a bad contract back. So I I look at this and think you're more likely to find a team willing to gamble on Evander Kane to come in and be a 20-goal scorer than you are for Matt Murray coming in and being a 920 save percentage guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially for the price of admission, like the ticket, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so... The other multiple choice madness question I have for you on this Monday. We spent a little bit of time uh, talking about uh, dysfunctional Canadian teams. Uh, we got a little dysfunctional Canadian team tournament happening this week. Monday, it's uh, uh, Vancouver and Montreal. Wednesday, it's Vancouver and Ottawa. But Haley, that's not the, que- the, the, the game I want to ask you about. Man, maybe you're going to pick Vancouver, Ottawa. I don't know. Here's my question. What's the most interesting game on the docket Wednesday night? I think this is going to be really fun. Wednesday night. Is it A, Colorado against Toronto, B, Vancouver against Ottawa, or C, Pittsburgh-Edmonton? Haley, you could choose one game to sit down and watch in its entirety for whatever reason. Entertainment, misery, star power. What are you picking? Avs, Leafs, Canucks, Sens, Penguins, Oilers. 
I want to say Canucks sends um, just to be like, this is hilarious. But I wonder if it's really bad that it ends up just being kind of sad. Or maybe it ends up being really good because they're both on the same level of struggle right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll probably watch that one to see what it looks like for sure. Um, probably over Toronto, Colorado. Um, but the 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 Pittsburgh-Edmonton game will, will probably be a good one. Um, McDavid and Dreisaitl have been pretty lights out to start the season. I mean, especially on the power play. Did you know that Dreisaitl only has six six of his, what, 20 goals are at 5-on-5? Five five? Like, he's yeah. just a it's monster a machine. On, on the power play, which is impressive. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. So, I mean, the Oilers are obviously a fun team to watch if you're watching them when they're one of their top two lines are, are out there. Um, and the Penguins have been re- playing really well um, as of late. They've, they've got everything starting to click. I, they, did, they did enough in the absence of, of Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Russ. So many players were out, and they just kind of kept it on the rails just enough. And now they're starting to, to look really good as they're getting guys back. And obviously Malkin's not back yet, but um, the, the Penguins are always an exciting team to watch, and, and they've been clicking really well lately. Tristan Jari's playing really well. So, I mean, if I'm being – I'll probably end up watching that game <laughs> over the other two. Yeah. Well, I think I'm probably going to be stuck covering Ottawa-Vancouver because it's in my – uh, it's in my market, and it, it's going to be a weird game. Like you almost feel like does the loser of that game, if they lose in a in, like, will will changes come from that? Like you wonder, right? Like is that a is that a tipping point game for either of those franchises if you lose to the other guys in a kind of embarrassing fashion or a lopsided fashion? Would that would that be a catalyst for change? That would be the only reason why you tune in. It's almost like a car wreck type of thing where you're driving yeah. by, you're like. I kind of want to see what's going on over there. But how do you not look at Colorado and Toronto and think like, what's going on? Like the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, have been on fire and they've been fun and they've been competitive and they've been good defensively and they've been scoring goals and buckets and they went out West and they cleaned out uh, the, the California teams. And this could be, again, if Colorado gets, you know, all their things back, like, like this could be a potential Stanley cup final uh, preview uh <laughs> if everything goes well. But again, I think that might be the most entertaining game. I think Colorado-Toronto Wednesday, Haley, is going to be super entertaining. Yeah, I mean, Kale McCarr is fun to watch. You wonder if Nate McKinnon's going to be back in the lineup because obviously he adds. Yeah. He adds a, he's going to add a ton to that. He's still out. Um, but like watching Kale McCarr do it, work his magic on the blue line is always is always pretty fun to watch. And yeah, the Leafs have been rolling too. Um, so I think all three will be interesting. Just depends on... <laughs> you're looking for skill or a, a train wreck okay well listen we're, we're gonna leave it there train this was a, a little f- harsh yeah a little yeah, a little bit you called it a car wreck so i did whatever I ian said yeah um listen we'll leave it there this was a super fun uh podcast the hour flew by i'm gonna leave you with some homework though for next week okay Haley? before before monday's show you need to find some bc level celebrity either on cameo What's the other one? Memo? Memo? Whatever? Memo? Memo? I don't know. I thought it was Memo. But anyway, whatever it is, for under 100 bucks, can we find somebody to do the intro to the show for us at some point in December? You know? Somebody, like, in that realm. Do we have to know who they are? Like, it has to be well enough that they're known by most people if you kind of say their name or 
something like that. So under a hundred bucks, can we get somebody 45 seconds? They're just going to read the intro. That's your homework. Okay. All right. I She's on that. it. I'm doing but, it right now. But don't come back with like Laura from Family Matters or something, you know, like it's got to even be, actually, no, wait, you know what, Laura, never mind. Laura from Family Matters is good enough for me for a hundred bucks. <laughs> okay. Changed, changed my mind. All right. We'll leave it there. And hey, listen, if you got some suggestions for who you'd like to see us try to get uh, to, to, uh, to uh, do, <laughs> do the intro. Do you know how much Gilbert Gottfried would have cost? He's on sale right now for Black Friday for $191. See, this is why. This is, this is the time to do it. Uh, Shooter McGavin's on here. See? Okay. Like, like, see if you can find us somebody. Well, maybe we'll make... If, if Gilbert Gottfried is 191, then let's take the number to 200 and under. Okay? Because maybe 100 bucks. Uh, yeah, at that point, you're not getting anybody. Right? So 200 and under. Let's see what we can do. Work I'll our find magic. Some good and, value. And, uh, maybe, maybe our listeners can drop a little rating and review. Drop us a note. Let us know who you want us to see. Uh, track it down. I want to remind you, though, of a couple of things. Like I said off the top, if you're listening to us on Monday, you got an opportunity to jump on a uh, annual subscription to The Athletic for just a dollar a month, 12 months. Go to theathletic.com slash hockey show. Again, that amazing deal ends at midnight on Monday. So if you're listening to us on Monday, jump on it, athletic.com slash hockey show, a dollar a month for 12 months. And you can also subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. You'll get all the bonus content from our entire athletic network you can start with a 30-day free trial and then it's just 99 cents a month after that